Welcome, everyone. You're listening to This Week in Accountable Care. I'm your host, Greg Masters. And we're resuming broadcasting after a bit of a layoff. While lots of other things have been happening, most notably the formation of the Health Innovation Broadcast Consortium, that's HIBC.TV, and our launch at New Orleans at the HIMS 13 annual conference and exhibition, which was a rather smashing success. HIBC.TV is a consortium of independent bloggers, producers, journalists, and social media practitioners committed to advancing the triple aim. Our co-founders include ACO Watch, Open Affairs TV, Health Tech Hatch, and MedStarter. And we had a lot of fun, burned a lot of live interviews, and generated enormous content on the site, which is uh, streaming 24-7 at HIBC.TV. Meanwhile, in the ACO industry, uh, certainly things have not been standing still. In fact, many would argue that the momentum is building, and some even refer to a, quote, ACO explosion of sorts, though perhaps not the best visual, considering what's uh, happened in uh, Boston on Monday. And joining us today is Nicole Bradbury, who is the CEO of the Florida Association of ACOs, whose existence became known to me following a press release announcing its launch. And this caught my eye since their launch coincides with the earlier launch of the National Association of ACOs. So let's get to know what's happening in Florida from an informed source. Nicole, welcome to This Week in Accountable Care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. And I'm glad you could make it. So first up, tell us about the Florida Association of ACOs. Why did you form it? Well, you know, I actually went and attended the uh, first conference of the National Association of ACOs, and there was a lot of Florida ACOs represented there, and we just kind of started huddling together and talking, and the more we spoke, it was just obvious that, there's so many ACOs out there, and you know, not to repeat your ACO explosion, I've been terming it almost the wild, wild west in ACOs, and I think a group of these ACOs, early ACOs, coming together to talk about best practices, shared experiences, you know, preferred vendors. There's just such a need for that, and so the idea of you know having a similar organization as the national one, but more local, more, you know, a little more maybe intimate, and, and also with a mission to create a clear marketplace for ACOs in Florida, it just made sense. And the other ACOs that joined um, felt the very same way. So just to clarify, that national meeting of the, of the ACOs, that's not the ACO Summit or the ACO Congress. It's a separate meeting? Uh, the National Association of ACOs had their own kickoff um, conference, and that was in um, March in Baltimore. And so that's the one we attended and kind of, you know, really was the beginning of forming our own here in Florida. Okay, great. So who who are your founding members in Florida? 
Well, the founding ACOs are American Health Alliance, Baroma Health Partners, Diagnostic Clinic. Um, it's a Walgreens um, founded ACO. Uh, Medical Practitioners for Affordable Care, Orange Accountable Care, which is the one that I'm involved with, along with American Health Alliance. The Palm Beach Accountable Care. Physicians Collaborative Trust, Primary Partners, Accountable Care of South Florida, Collaborative Care, and Nature Coast and ProCare Med are the are the founding. But since I formed it, I've already been reached out numerous times by other ACOs who want to participate. So I hope to have all of them in this um, association before the end of the year. So you represent a complement of what appears to be physician-led ACOs. I don't see any any payers in the mix. Was that an intentional? Move on your part? No, I think we just, you know, we started, you know, payers, I think, have a lot more experience in building infrastructure and building uh, solutions. I don't necessarily think that um, that they they will be the most successful or, or not successful, but I think the ones that pretty, probably value, will value, get the most value out of this association will be the physician um, run ACOs. And, but, but we're not, not going to invite them in if they, if they see a need. So um, let me ask you, uh, perhaps the one so-called unusual suspect in the mix to date is the Walgreens uh, participation. Talk about that. Well, I think Walgreens, you know, originally had a strategy that they were going to help fund and build these ACOs. Since these ACOs have been funded, I believe they're changing their strategy a little bit to be more of an ACO enablement company. And so how can, and, and I'm actually um, whiteboarding in a couple of weeks with the, the head of the Walgreens um, division, so I know a little bit about this, but, you know, their strategy is how can we take those um, resources, those pharmacists, those care clinics they have, and enable some of these ACOs in a different way. So how can they help these patients with the, you know, triple aim agenda of um, access, cost, and quality? And so I think it's a, it's a neat strategy. So uh, let me ask you, were the members, of the ba- are you building on top of basically an IPA chassis here for most of the members, or are these multi-specialty group practices that are risk-savvy practitioners, or w- what's the what's the DNA of, of the physician leadership you're working with? Well, you know, they're all over the place. There's, you know, I think Walgreens is probably the biggest organization that's a member of, of this group. A lot of them are either IPAs or MSOs or even a couple hospital, um, you know, integrated delivery systems. And so, and, but there's also just as many primary physician um, groups that have come together. So I think it's a neat mix, and you're going to get different experiences and different success stories based on you know, I think that unique mix is going to really make this a powerful group. So are are you the first um, a state or portion of a state uh, out of the gate here in terms of the National Association, or do you have a peer out there? No, we're the first ones. In fact, apparently our announcement and press release has gotten a lot of interest around the country. I, I, I talked to um, the chairman of the national one. He said all of a sudden his phone started ringing from other states who now have an interest in doing something similar, but we were definitely the first. So what's the broadly cast mission of FLACO? As, as it's, uh, and by the way, for those of you interested 
the website is uh, www.flaacos.com. You get more information about the Florida Association of ACOs. Uh, talk, talk a little bit about um, the, the mission. What is the uh, glide path here? What, what are you looking at over the next 12 to 24 months? Well, I think initially, you know, the interest is really, you know, what are the pain points, you know, is is the reporting, the quality reporting, the dealing with CMS and all of, you know, that um, complication, the, you know, huge goal of, of really managing medical costs in a unique way, patient engagement. I mean, these things have been talked about, but how many people are, how many groups are actually doing them, doing successfully, meeting the goals. And so I think it's a little bit of strategy, operations, you know, putting these things in places, sharing best practices. You know, I think we'll hear from different ACOs in different stages, different pain points. I think there's going to be a lot of similarity, but hopefully just that information sharing is going to be of great value. But then I think, you know, the next, this might evolve into could we um, provide some centralized services to these ACOs? You know, once you've figured out the way to do maybe a claim interface with CMS, does every ACO need to build that? Or could we build it, put it under FLACO and offer it out to all our member ACOs, things like that, almost an MSO organization to the ACOs? I think, you know, it's going to evolve from there to how can we use the power of this organization to contract with other commercial payers for similar type contracts, risk-sharing contracts. And I think, you know, there's a really a lot of benefit for an organization like this to you know, these ACOs. They, you know, ACOs on their own don't have the bandwidth or the time or the clout to go get those kind of arrangements, but together we can. So are you a statewide organization or, or is this a regional focus? No, it's statewide. We have you know, the ACOs that I listed off are on the West Coast, South Florida, North Florida, Central Florida. We're all over the place. Great. And do you, do you have a headcount on the number of physicians that are participating? You know, I don't, but I, I will. That's a, you know, there's obviously um, over a thousand, but I, uh, I I really don't know that number. When was the actual born-on date? The official um, kickoff date it was April 5th. Oh wow! So you are. Yeah, we are brand new. We are brand new. <laughs> I use the term "newly minted," and I did not know how accurate that that was. So, uh, so it's exciting. Absolutely. You're you're first out of the gate for a statewide uh, version of a national ACO trade group, basically, and you're kind of exploring the value added piece. What does that look like, and how do you articulate it and express it, and not have everyone reinvent the wheel? Is that is that a fair characterization? Yep, that's true. That's true. I think once we, you know, I'd like to see Florida be the model and hopefully the model that other states um, want to emulate. So, Nicole, tell us about you. How did you come to come up with this idea and come to serve as the CEO? Well, I, you know, I currently um, am the president and chief operating officer of a company called Orange Health Solutions. And Orange Health Solutions is really an ACO enablement company. We manage, we fully manage two ACOs in Florida with the mission to manage ACOs around the country. We think we have a very unique model. My um, background has, um, you know, has deep payer experience. We focus a lot on all the traditional care management, disease management, quality and affordability type programs. But I left the payer world saying there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way to help 
physicians do these kind of things on behalf of the patients. And so um, bringing that model into a company like Orange House, working for the physicians on behalf of the patients, you know, that's really what an ACO is. An ACO, I think, is being defined right now as Medicare shared savings. I think it's much broader. It's about how you help physicians manage patient care, keep medical costs down, but also do it in a way that they're incented and they're, you know, they're compensated in a way they should be. Primary care um, has been kind of um, minimized over the years, and how do you maximize it again? How do you make them the star with the patient in taking care of, um, in t- you know, managing healthcare in just a u- unique way? So Orange is a company that's that's their mission is to help these physicians, and it, because I'm managing two ACOs, it just made sense to help other ACOs in an organization like Flacco come together to say, you know what, ACOs are here to stay, and if we compete, we might, you know, not make it all to the end, and if we if we share ideas and come together and partner, then we're going to create a sustainable model, which are ACOs, that's going to grow and grow and probably be the, the healthcare model of the future. And so that was really, you know, the segue between Orange and, and Flacco. And um, well, thank you for that. What, what's the uh, your sense of the marketplace? Um, we, we mentioned off off air that uh, Florida has a pretty significant share uh, in the Medicare Advantage program. What do you think that uh, pretends about the successful rollout of at least the Medicare shared savings uh, uh, ACOs that are going to be in the marketplace? Is this an uphill battle, or how do you see that? No, I think, you know, I've been thinking about this, you know, we've been kind of building up to this for the last few years, and so I've seen the market go from, you know, patient-centered medical homes and how you, you know, how you um, really engage patients and how do you change the payment models to what's happening today, which is, you know, ACOs are taking off. They're hot, and everybody in healthcare is trying to figure out how to, figure out how to be a part of one, how to support one, you know, it's just happening. And so I think, um, you know, where a year ago, especially with the uncertainty around health reform, people were sitting back going, hmm, is this really going to happen? And I think now people are saying, yes, it's happening. How do I become a part of it? So I think this marketplace is going to grow. I think with the help of organizations like Flacco and even our own company, Orange Health, that it's just going to help make this easier for physicians to get into it. And so I just I think it's hot and it's exciting to be a part of it. You know, I've, I've, I, I totally agree. I just want to add a little perspective myself. I, I, I started the blog ACLWatch.com uh, shortly um, leading up to the passage of the uh, Affordable Care Act, and I watched with a whole lot of skepticism. I, I, I watched there a, lot, a whole lot of skepticism play out. People sitting on the sidelines, sitting on their hands, waiting to see who was going to strike first, and so on and so forth. And for the first um, uh, are you there? I'm here. Nicole. Oh, Nicole. Okay, I thought I'm I lost you. I, I, I put it on mute so I could cough. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Good. I, I heard. Uh, I thought you disappeared. So you know, there was some uh, high degrees of skepticism. There were a lot of you know um, comments filed during the notice of the proposed rule and so forth, and and. Truth be told, there's been a major shift, and I think there's some sense that, oh, my God, 
you know, the train is leaving the station if it hasn't already left in certain markets. And now the whole question is, there's actually an option to buy out an attribution of a primary care physician in one ACO versus another based on who wants to play that card in a particular community. So I think there's a, a, a sea change shift in the whole psychology here. I, I, I think so, too. I couldn't agree more. It's um, it's really um, amazing how, you know, once something, you know, takes root, how fast it can, you know, spread its wings and grow. So it, it's definitely an exciting time. And it's the right thing. So, you know, it's the right thing to do in healthcare. I mean, it's the right model. It's going to solve some of the issues we have in healthcare. I mean, it's it's you know some of the negative things around health reform. You know, if these programs work, will help take some of that away. You know, the fact that we're expanding healthcare. If we solve for cost and quality, then that that makes that a little bit um, easier to swallow. So I think it's the right thing. Do any of your member uh, ACOs have an institutional partner like a hospital or a hospital system uh, somewhere in their in their ownership structure? They do. I mean, we have um, we have all types. You know, we have a couple that are um, hospital, you know, health system based. They they are hospitals that own primary care and specialists. Okay, so it's a it's sort of a hybrid model or an eclectic model when it comes down to that. So um, talk about what you see as your your major challenges going forward. Well, I think, you know, there's still, you know, um, a lot of change that has to take place in these practices. I said, you know, they're, they're used to and they still are on a very fee-for-service type payment model where it's about how many people you can see, how fast can you see them. And, you know, what ACOs are trying to do is to, to, is to change that dynamic, reward these doctors in the right way for them to be able to give the appropriate amount of care at the right time to these patients. So there's a huge amount of change management to move from one model to the next, to the new models. And so that's, you know, always challenging, you know, to bring um, infrastructure and a new way to engage patients, you know, just to develop that and build that and make it repeatable and scalable so that it can wrap easily around all the numbers of docs that are going to come into these models. I think that's equally as challenging. And so, you know, and I think it's also getting out there and and getting additional contracts with, you know, the rest of these providers' patients because the last thing you want to do is is have a portion of your patients where you have to operate one way and the other portion where you operate the other way. So the more of, you know, all of their patients fall into these models, the better these models are going to work. And so I think those are probably the top three challenges. And, of course, you've got the the ACOs in the Medicare Shared Savings Program. You've got eventually what's going to be the, the duals, Medicare, Medicaid, and then you've got uh, right. certainly the whole range of what's being uh, negotiated out there in the commercial space, um, the Aetna's of the world and such. So um, do you have a eclectic mix here in terms of uh, uh, private pay versus Medicare, or is it uh, right now primarily uh, uh, seen as a Medicare shared savings uh, initiative? Well, I think um, it's primarily it's primarily Medicare shared savings, and I think I applaud the government for kind of leading the charge here, but all the payers are fast and furiously trying to figure out their ACO strategies. I think the gator for most of them is they're, they're still trying to change their systems in order to administer these new types of contracts, and so I think they're trying to, you know, behind the the curtain, try to do a lot of manual stuff so they don't have the ability to roll these out, things out broadly. 
So I think as soon as they start getting those capabilities, you're going to see more and more and more of the payers come in, and it's going to move just as fast as the Medicare space. But right now, it's, I'd say it's primarily Medicare, even though that's changing. And what kind of guidance or advice would you have for um, uh, independent physicians who are watching what's going on, haven't made a commitment yet, don't know if they want to try and form a physician-led organization or, uh, or or join another or perhaps even sell? What what would be your your guidance to docs in the uh, in, in community medicine at this point? Well, I would say. Um you know, if you're one of those docs that is not attached to a broader system, find an ACO or a, or a physician-led organization that um, that allows you to maintain that independence. But I wouldn't wait. You know, I wouldn't wait to jump on because I think the the doctors, the health systems that get on now are going to you know really benefit more than the ones that coming at the end. I just think, you know, they're going to know more, they're going to be better positioned, they're, you know, going to, you know, have tons of advantages if they jump on now versus waiting and be the last in. Find, you know, find organizations so, like mine that that make it easy for them. You know, and there's and I'm not the only one, but there's other organizations that are helping doctors organize and come together in a way that still allows them to be independent. And by the way, have you been contacted by people in other states with a with a similar organizational interest? Oh uh, well, are we talking Flacco or trying to be an ACO enablement? I think um, right. for the for Flacco, I think the national organization has been approached, and I've heard about it secondhand. I haven't yet been approached um, directly to help them form theirs. Uh, you know, we've only been literally since April fifth, and so I, I assume that. That those kind of inquiries will come in. Um, I, we have been approached on, you know, other physician groups who are interested in being, becoming ACOs on how to help them to, to um, become one. And so I think, you know, our our service or our association, you know, can be a good information sharer for those physicians that have interest. And how are you? Um, how are you structured in terms of working with with the docs? I know you just formed. <laughs> Uh, less than a month now, but but will there be like uh, you know sort of a super or a structure with uh, general meetings and then individual ACO meetings or how how does it cross pollinate? Uh, well, we created a board that? out of the early ACO you know member ACOs. We've created a, a, of their leaders. We created a board of Flacco to lead Flacco. <coughs> Excuse me of. Um, you know that we're going to meet monthly to try to set you know and to try to set the agenda for the the next year. Each one of these board members has a role and responsibility. Um, some of it's you know organizing conferences, member meetings, presentations. You know we we really want to be about information sharing and helping our members. And so I, I don't know yet if we're going to have two big member meetings in person a year or four. You know, we'll probably start out a little slower and then grow as we get more um, organization around us and more structure. But, you know, we, we are – one thing that we did do, which I really like, is that for vendor partners, you know, those companies that really offer solutions, they can't just cut us a check to become a part of our organization. They have to be nominated and voted and really um, – a vendor that this group believes adds a unique value, and so I think that's that's a um, important thing. And that way, when members join, they have 
all that vetting process taking place as far as solutions and and um, partners that they can work with. But we, I think we're going to, you know, get speed and, and try to have web webinars and conferences more regularly than this in, than the in person meetings. So uh, again, I know early in your in Flaco's glide path, but the the individual member <laughs> ACOs are, are they? Uh, I don't know if this is an expression, but fully attributed, or are they still recruiting? Um, uh, are they still recruiting their their physician participation? Well, I think all of them are, are recruiting. Um, you know, with the Medicare shared savings, they really can't come on until the first of the year, so you can recruit, recruit, but their patients and and what counts for the ACO doesn't happen until each beginning of of a year. But I, I would say probably their biggest priority is building infrastructure, you know, getting the reporting, the connections with CMS, all of those logistical things, really starting to manage patient care, patient quality, medical costs. I, I get, I'm 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 sure that that's really where most of their energy is being focused. So um would would you mind just maybe explaining for those who don't understand the the attribution process and and why there's been uh some concern around this whole plurality of primary care services assignment that you can't draw a clear line between a special t- specialist versus traditional primary care docs could you, could you uh could you review that sure i think i think the biggest eye opener for new acos is they have a patient roster, their doctors have a patient roster of Medicare patients, and then when they get the attribution back from CMS, they're like, well, wait a minute, I have 10,000 patients. How come I'm only being attributed 3,500 patients as an example? And it's just there's a lot of logic that goes into who have these patients seen. Um, you know, if if they're in a hospital and a hospitalist sees them in any kind of post-acute setting on a regular basis, then all of a sudden the doctor they've been seeing for years and years doesn't get them in as a attributed patient, this, this hospitalist could have gotten them. Um, you know, if a patient is going to multiple doctors on a regular basis, their primary care doctor, if they didn't see him that year or that period of time that attribution occurred, then the specialist, the heart doctor, is getting, a, them attribu- getting the patient attributed to them. So there's all of those kind of issues. So I think what you're happening, what you're seeing happening and what we're doing is we're making sure these patients that are, Part of, we believe are part of our patients. We're calling them. We're reaching out to them. We're getting appointments. We're saying, you know, your primary care doctor wants to see you. And so hopefully some of those kind of activities are solving for this, as well as I think CMS is probably fine-tuning some of their logic. And speaking of CMS, are you finding, um, are you finding adequate support for some of the outreach efforts that they've been sponsoring? I think so. You know, I, I actually have been – pretty impressed by what they're you know they're they're going above and beyond what I've seen in the past. They they've got weekly webinars, they've got decks that they post on their um site, they've given each ACO their own advocate. You know, not that there's not some bureaucracy and sometimes hard to get an answer, but for the most part I think they've done a pretty good job of helping, you know, all of us who are newly formed ACOs get the support that we need to really understand what is required, what we need to do to make sure all of this works. So some think that uh, one of the differences between an ACO and an HMO uh, or the HMO era is that this is going to be an opportunity to truly empower patients, this whole idea of shared governance and participation of beneficiaries at the board level uh, is a a real distinct difference from how uh, uh, 
from the past. Do you, would you agree with that? Do you see this as a, as a major difference? Yeah, I think, you know, to me, who kind of grew up in the HMO world, the, the biggest difference is that this is not, this patient is not tied to a physician by a product, you know, by a, a plan. And so it changes how doctors have to engage their patients in order to keep have them want to stay with them. So it's no longer a health insurance company saying, this is your doctor and you have to stay with them. It's, you know, it's it's consumerism. It's Customer satisfaction is all of those things, and I think that completely changes how you approach um, these patients and how you engage them. And I think it's also you're seeing it, um, you're seeing it in, in all these tools and and things that are coming out constantly. That it's, the focus is on how do you engage that patient before they come in, so that by the time they're there, they're ready to have a certain conversation with the doctor. Versus just versus just giving the information to the doctor and saying, okay, you have to talk to this patient about whatever the subject is. And it's talking to both, and then they come together in a very unique way that's never been done before. And so I think things like that, consumer tools, transparency tools, you know, all of that is going to become very, very important in making these models work. It's exciting. I think it's good. It's, it's what's been needed in healthcare for a very long time. And, and do you think social media has a role to play there? Absolutely. I think I think, you know, you'll see tools that look like LinkedIn and Facebook and you're gonna see information sharing in, in ways that have never happened before and doctors are gonna to talk to their patients in, in new ways that are very similar to the, kind of all the social media stuff that is is so popular right now. So I think it's it plays a big part. Excellent. Well, Nicole, that's going to have to be the last word in the live portion of our broadcast. Uh, we have been speaking with Nicole Bradbury, CEO of the Florida Association of ACOs, the first of the state uh, uh, national focus to spin off in Florida. Congratulations, Nicole. And uh, thank you. I want to say thank you again. And this is Greg Masters for this week in Accountable Care. Bye now, everyone.
That was when I... Uh... 